Get daily encouragement sent straight to your inbox with the Jesus Calling Daily Email. This free email highlights select excerpts from Jesus Calling and other titles from Sarah Young, along with a special passage of Scripture to help jumpstart your day. Sign up for free at JesusCalling.com forward slash daily email. I thought faith was a triple A card I kept in my wallet, you know, and here I've come to learn it's a muscle in my body. And that muscle is built every time I show up and I do the next right thing. And even when I don't feel like it, especially when I don't feel like it, especially when I don't feel strong enough, especially when I don't feel capable. When I look back and I see what I've been able to walk through with Mason and with my family, I have no doubt that there's power greater than me in this universe. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. When we face scary situations in life, it's easy to wonder if our faith, especially the amount of faith we have, makes a difference. But is it healthy to quantify faith to think, if I just had more faith, my problem would go away? Though tempting, that line of thought doesn't square with the faith-filled greats all throughout history who followed God despite the fear and uncertainty of their experiences. They practice what the poet John O'Donohue argues we must learn, to hold nothing back and learn to find ease and risk. God's grace can empower and sustain our faith too, just like Abraham's, Rahab's, and David's. Our guests this week are Janine Urbanek-Reed and Megan Smalley. Both tell stories of faith in the crucible, of being pushed to their breaking points, only to find God's grace remaining alongside the fear, suffering, joys, and the triumphs. God's grace powered Janine through her son Mason's cancer battle and Megan through an arduous journey to reach her dream of having children. Let's start with Janine's story. My name is Janine Urbanic-Reed, and I am an author, a mother, a wife, and a friend, and a person of deep faith. I am a person who thought she was going to do absolutely everything right in life. I was going to good girl my way through life. If I could just do what I needed to do, then I was sure that God would bless me and that the plans would go according to what I thought was acceptable. Now, the only thing that we know for sure is that, as some people say, God laughs when you tell him your plans. A lot of my story is this tension between God has entrusted me with these children. God has entrusted me with this life and these skills to be of service in this world. That's kind of how I believe it works. And yet I can't control the outcomes. These outcomes that are like tidal waves. My son Mason had always had like little quirky problems. And you know, when he was in kindergarten, his hands started to shake and he started to get headaches. And that was the beginning of my journey to various doctors. I, you know, I, I write about trying to do everything right. You know, I tried to feed him right. I ate well when I was pregnant. I did everything right. And then finally, when Mason was uh, 10 years old, we went to a doctor who finally said, why don't we take a picture of his brain? Why don't we do an MRI? And there was this tumor. It was actually a quite a large tumor. And it's the kind of tumor that has its own spiritual lessons attached to it because it's a slow growing tumor, which is a blessing, right? That he could live with it for all this time. But it's also an inoperable tumor because it had grown around critical structures of Mason's brain. My husband and I, we orbited that tumor. 
So how do you do that? It's a cruel orbit. And how do you do that? And how do you maintain your faith? How do you grow your faith in those circumstances when everything you thought you knew for sure turns out to be conditional? So I had to find a faith for all seasons. I had to find a no matter what faith that would that would fill those spaces and, and comfort me in those times of fear. We found a wonderful medical team, which is an important part of the story, too. And again, as a mother, my husband and I, as parents, we had responsibilities and there are things we could do to get him good care. That was on us. Now, the outcome and all the rest, it's, again, this dance with God, you know, this dance with the spiritual. I do what I can and the outcome is in God's hands. So Mason had chemotherapy treatment. We monitored the tumor for a long time and it didn't do much of anything. And then when Mason was 13, he almost died. He was in a coma for a period of time and then had to start all over in his life, you know, the second time in his life, learning to walk, talk, and eat all over again. And that was probably the hardest thing I've ever lived through. You know, there was one night my husband and I were switching off at the hospital and anybody with more than one child knows what it's like when you have to make choices of filling one child's needs. You feel like it's at the expense of the others. But that night, I remember so clearly our minister came to visit me. And, you know, I, I good girl my way through the world, right? Like I've mentioned, I'm going to do everything right. I will, you know, you tell me to pray, I will pray. But I was feeling so afraid. And by now, Mason is not responding in his bed. I'm one of the only ones, my husband a little bit too, but I'm one of the only ones who really believes he's still there <laughs> in his body. Even my best friends thought I was slightly, um, you could say delusional or optimistic, but I think they thought I, I just wasn't understanding what was happening. And uh, Minister, uh, Pastor Veronica came in, we walked through the hospital that night and I told her the truth. I told her that I just, my faith, I pray all the time, but I don't feel better. And that was a transformative moment to tell the truth, to not say, because I'd always wanted her to think, yes, I'm, you know, I'm Bible study. I was one of those people with her hand up all the time. I know, I know, but I was just emptied out. And I do say, you know, in that emptied out place, every time I've been emptied out in my life, I don't love it, but it's a place of miracles too. And what Pastor Veronica brought up was um, the story of the man who brought his son to Jesus for healing. And he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And then she, that gave me language that was like, oh, okay, my unbelief, my unbelief. I believe, I believe in the grace of God and help my unbelief. And you know, what I have come to realize too is that the miracles at that time, Mason did survive that crisis, which was amazing and a miracle in itself. And the miracle was in so many of the moments, you know, the miracle wasn't that he got up that day. The miracle was that Pastor Veronica came and saw me, that she touched my heart in such a profound way, that I was cared for so profoundly by this cast of characters that God put together for me. There was a moment after the hemorrhage, we were in Houston where we'd gone for rehabilitation for Mason. They had a great rehab center that focused on the brain. And Mason had a series of setbacks that landed us in Texas Children's Hospital, which was a huge, huge blessing. 
but I didn't know that at the time. You know, I didn't know what how blessed we were in that moment and how everything would flow after that. And I called a friend at home and I said, I just, I told her about the setback and it was just one more like huge setback, another brain surgery he was going to need. My husband was with our other kids. He was trying to get a flight in. I was alone. And my friend Joan said, you don't think you can do it, right? And I said, that's it. I can't do it. I was so relieved somebody saw that in me. Um, And she said, but you know what? You're doing it. And that was a twist of vision as well. That was a clarifying vision. It's like putting on new prescription lenses. And I was like, I am doing it. Sometimes we have to push past our self-imposed limits. But there's a time when crisis goes too deep and long that we just have to take care of ourselves. And that's what I tell anybody going through this. And especially in our world now, it seems like we just we don't get to exhale. It's just like one crisis on top of another for so many people. So, you know, for me, it's really simple stuff. Taking a walk, taking a walk. I I would take a walk through the neighborhood near the hospital, which brought me so much peace because it reminded me of a world where people planted marigolds and they had cats on their porches. You know, it just was was sad, such a balm for my heart. Um, so taking a walk, eating something that was healthy. And then, you know, there's this compassion that, you know, I, it comes naturally with my children, compassion and empathy. Thank goodness, you know, it comes naturally. I will do anything, I will put their needs first. I would never, if they were hungry and tired, I would never push them, right? But I'll do that to myself. And it's not useful. There was an old idea I had to let go of that it was selfish to take care of myself in a crisis. It turns out it's selfish not to because then I'm not bringing my best self to my family and to the world around me that I'd like to be helpful to. I realized that I couldn't keep giving what I don't have. I had to start taking care of myself. I had this illusion that once the crisis passed, I would exercise, I would get my life back. And what I realized is this is the life I had and it was up to me to start living it in that moment. And I think that's an inspired thought from a power greater than myself. I started living the life I have and I started taking care of myself because we can't give on empty, you know, on fumes. If I could speak to the young mom that was me, You know, I probably just hold her and I tell her, you are doing hero's work. You are doing hero's work. Go easy on yourself. That's what I would say. And that's what I would say if any any young mom came to me now, whether their child was sick or not, you know, you are doing hero's work, showing up to love these little people, to guide them in this world where it's so uncertain. Sometimes it's so scary sometimes and to show up bravely morning after morning, it's hero's work and have compassion for yourself. And you're doing it. You are doing it right now. You're doing the work. Oh, I'd probably also say you don't need to judge yourself so harshly. And there is no perfect. There is no perfect here but an open-hearted, loving you, showing up with all your humanness and all your flaws and all of your love and all your joy, that's the point. The point was never to be a perfect mom. The point was always to just be a human mom and love these people through it all. You know, 
I always say I was never a good candidate for this job of having such an uncertain life because I don't sleep well and I, and I worry too much, you know, if I'm not really, really working my spiritual path. But it seems to be my destiny, one uncertain thing after another. But I've come to find just getting out of the future helps so much in coming back to what's happening right now. And usually right now in this moment, I'm okay. Right now in this moment, sometimes my definition of okay has to change. Since the time of this recording, Janine's son, Mason, passed away at the age of 23. As Janine said in her closing comments, her definition of okay is still changing, and she wanted to update our listeners on where she is since the passing of her son. She says, nothing was easy or the way I wanted it to go. Still, I had access to strength I didn't know I had. There was so much love and peace that passes all human understanding that we read about in Philippians 4, and it was delivered moment by moment. The reality was, and still is, that we were cared for in the most remarkable ways. My faith is stronger than ever. Also, I'm afraid of less. Right before he left us, I asked Mason to tell me something, anything he wanted me to know. He hummed a familiar song. Love, 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 love. As in, all you need is love. God is good. To learn more about Janine's journey with her son, Mason, you can find her book, The Opposite of Certainty, Fear, Faith, and Life in Between, everywhere books are sold. Stay tuned to Megan Smalley's story after a brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, It's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Our next guest is Megan Smalley, a now mom of three who struggled with infertility for years. In her quest to be a mother, she underwent multiple IVF treatments while depleting the family's savings and was down to one last shot for it to work. And finally, she and her husband were able to welcome twin boys. Now Megan runs an infertility ministry to be a support and a comfort for other women experiencing infertility, hoping to provide reassurance that they can rely on God's grace through any outcome. I am Megan Smalley. I am a big city girl that has found herself living in a small town called Auburn, Alabama. I am a pastor's kid, a coach's wife, an author, 
and a small business owner, and I also run an infertility ministry. I'm also a mom of three kids now. So I juggle a lot. Every day I wake up and just remind myself that today's a new day. It's a fresh start. And just listen to where the Lord is leading me for the day. I never thought that infertility would be part of my story. I never had any health concerns. And somehow a year and a half into marriage, we found ourselves on this road. And I think that's how it happens for everybody or for most people, at least. Like some people have a heads up that this might be a road you walk down, but a lot of people are totally blindsided by it. And it is one of the most challenging roads that I think a woman could ever walk down. After about six months of trying, we went to get some testing done and found out that IVF would be our only option. And if you're not familiar with IVF, it is expensive. And like I said in the beginning, I'm a coach's wife. Funds are not unlimited in the Smalley household. And I'm a small business owner. And so the first round, we decided to go forward with it head first. And the first round, we paid $15,000 out of pocket ourselves, drained our savings account, and it didn't work. I'll, I'll never forget getting the call from my doctor. And in the same call, he told me I wasn't pregnant. He told me that I needed donor eggs and that my eggs were bad. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like my heart and brain are not in a space to process this. And when I say it was earth shattering, that is an understatement. I did not know where to go from there. Picking myself up off the floor daily was something that was now a part of my life. It was hard for me to be around people. I was experiencing sadness and grief in the most deepest sense. There are some things that we walk through that are earth shattering that we did not choose and we would never choose. And it is so hard. It doesn't matter if it's infertility or a job loss or the loss of a dream or the loss of a loved one. We forget that we are promised trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. God doesn't promise us an easy life. He promises us hard things. Um, and we have to figure out how to walk through those hard things. And then when we get to the other side, how to look back and and recognize what God did and how He brought you through it so that you can use those in your toolkit for the next hard thing that you're going to face. Some days were hard. Some days were fine. And I needed to be able to recognize where I was emotionally so then I could communicate that. Um, I think a lot of it is anticipating the triggers. But looking ahead at my week, was there a doctor's appointment that was going to send me over the edge? Was there an upcoming baby shower for a friend that I was going to have to attend? Looking ahead and then preparing my heart accordingly and making decisions about is there a boundary I need to put in place to protect my heart? And then filling my heart and mind with truth. What does the Bible say? What are God's promises? And then prayer, 
obviously is such an incredible tool that we have in dark seasons. And a lot of times in a season of grief, it's hard to find the words. I know I can't even tell you how many times I prayed for a baby and it's like, okay, God, I I don't have any more words. Like I don't even know another way to pray about this. So give me the words. And I prayed scripture a lot because I had no words of my own left. And then gratitude. I think that was a huge thing for me, making a gratitude list. Like what blessings do I have in my life that I can be thankful for? And when any time where I started to feel really down about the things I didn't have, I would make that list or I would circle back to a previous list that I had made. And it's like, okay, God, I am so blessed. And I want to choose, even when I feel so down, I want to choose to be grateful for the things that I do have. And it's, you you will feel an, an immediate shift in your attitude. On the days where I feel like my heart can't handle a lot, that's what I turn to. Jesus Calling is, you know, I have the app on my phone and I think it's an incredible resource for those moments where you feel overwhelmed and you need truth and you need it fast. And so relatable too, that that is a really incredible resource for me in those moments where I need to feel seen and be poured into with truth. And then lastly, another thing that was really powerful for me was serving other people in my season of suffering. When I would step out of myself to serve somebody else, it really, really changed my heart. There was actually a family down the street from me and my friend, we started just going on walks together and it grew into such a meaningful friendship during my season of infertility because I would go over there to her house and she just let me in. She didn't do anything special. She just let me in and she let me love on her girls and take care of them and give them bottles and help get them ready for bed and rock them to sleep. And I got to to play mom for them and she never made me feel like I didn't know what I was doing. She never made me feel unworthy or like I didn't fit into this motherhood club. She just let me in and let me love on her kids. And that time that I spent at her house was so incredibly healing for my heart during one of the hardest seasons of my life. So I think when you can step outside of yourself and serve somebody else, it gives you a very healthy perspective. Grace is such a hard concept to accept I personally hear those things in my head over and over. Like, yes, God gives us grace, but this, but Megan, remember when you did this or, but you fall short every day. And while those things are true, that's the whole concept of grace. And so I think it's a learned skill to focus on what grace is and then learn how to accept it and apply it in your life. This was something that I didn't know how to do growing up. I focused so much on right and wrong and following the rules or breaking the rules a lot of times. And, you know, I just grew up in a world where there were a lot of rules and not a whole lot of grace. And I think in my adult life, I had to learn and lean into this concept of grace. Like, what 
is it? And when the Bible says we've been given this free gift, just over and over reminding myself, Megan, it's free. You did nothing to deserve this. And when we really dig into that and understand what grace is, I think it helps us open our heart to receiving it more because it really isn't about what we've done, what we have or haven't done. I think we're selfish sometimes and get so focused on us and why we do or don't deserve this gift that we forget it's a gift altogether. For that woman that is still on her road of uncertainty, on her journey to a baby, or maybe to that woman that got the answer of no, I would just say, I am so sorry. You are not broken. This is not about anything that you have or haven't done. You are so loved, you are seen, you are valued, and your story matters. God, for whatever reason, is writing your story differently than your friends. So just know that you are seen and you are loved and your emotions are real and they are valid. You will survive. A lot of days it feels like you will not make it, but you will. By the grace of God, make it through. We are not called to come to the foot of the cross perfect. We are called to just show up to bend our knee before the King of Kings and to ask for help and to say, I need you and let His transforming grace, His love, His strength be enough. To learn more about Megan and her infertility sisterhood, please visit megansmalley.com and be sure to find her book, Give Grace, wherever books are sold. If you'd like to hear more stories about God's grace, check out our interview with Michael Jr. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll hear from Amy Kennedy and David Degler from a Christian ministry in the national parks and how they're experiencing God's presence in the most unexpected ways while enjoying the beauty of His creation find the hikes that you want to do, the experiences you want to have and see, but also be really open-minded to what God has for you on that trip because national parks are beautiful landscapes that are wild and rugged and unpredictable. And some of the best moments with God are those that just happen off the cuff. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.